that, I would uh, introduce Mike Johnson from Louisiana. Thank you. <clears throat> I'll be brief and summarize this because we're going to get to your questions. But let me just say this simply. America works because we're a nation of laws, not of men. The rule of law is incredibly important to maintain a constitutional republic, and it's in jeopardy right now because when you have the Department of Justice and the FBI itself engaged in the activities that we're talking about here today, it alarms the American people. They understand that our, our institutions are crumbling. The, the people's faith in our institutions, our system of justice itself, is at an all-time low. It's because of the things that we're highlighting here this morning. Our constituents, and I mean millions and millions of Americans, are deeply concerned about the things that we're talking about here today. They've seen this. And when, when they found out that parents who showed up at school board meetings were labeled as domestic terrorists, when they found out that the FBI is trying to recruit informants and spies inside traditional Catholic congregations, when they found out that the FBI was meeting regularly with social media platforms over the last two election cycles to censor and silence conservative candidates and voices online, uh, when they find out that patriots stand up to blow the whistle on this, and they're being retaliated against by those who are engaged in this corruption, it alarms them, you know, and, and it should. So we hear back, when I'm at home and I'm doing town halls, all of us, we're talking to our constituents, average, everyday, hardworking Americans and, and families, and they say, why can't you guys stop it? You know, why can't you, why can't somebody be indicted? Why can't they be put on trial in a court of law? Well, we're just the Congress. We have a solemn responsibility of oversight. That is exactly what we are engaging in in the Weaponization Committee, and it's sad that it's come to this. But I often have to explain back home, we don't have the ability to indict anybody or put them on trial in court. <laughs> We're just members of Congress. What we do have the responsibility of doing and what we do have the power of doing is putting this on view of the American public, putting it, uh, the, the facts, I guess, on trial in the court of public opinion. And so that's what this is about. We want these brave whistleblowers to come forward and tell their stories, and it is compelling information. You're going to be shocked by some of the things you hear. But here's something else you need to know. As, as uh, Chairman Jordan said, we've got a couple dozen whistleblowers. We've only got a few who are able to come forward and put their name and their face to this. You know why? Because the rest of them are fearful that their careers will be ended, that their families will be put in jeopardy, like you're going to hear this morning, that all these things would happen to them as well. And so we respect that. Uh, we're not trying to urge or compel anybody to come forward because we know what's at stake for them, and that is frightening. So we're hopeful that at the end of this, we can bring about reforms, that we can change what's happening here to ensure that the kind of abuses that you're seeing here never happen again. And watch, as was said just a moment ago, watch. You're in the hearing today? Watch what the Democrats do. They're going to come out. They're going to try to discredit these, these men, these brave patriots. They're going to try to say that they're not trustworthy. But I think you can evaluate that for yourself when you hear from them. See some of the video highlights, but see in person today and hear their heart and how they're, they're grieved for America as we are and that we've got to bring about these changes. So with that, I'll yield back to Chairman Jordan, and we'll take a few questions. Why does the FBI retaliate against whistleblowers? Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show. It is Whistleblower Wednesday, and we are live on Red Voice Media Network, where you get the facts and the truth so you can make up your own mind, just like Congressman Mike Johnson was talking about there in his press conference. You know, we learn every day that blowing the whistle on the FBI results in retaliation by the FBI against those whistleblowers and their families whether it's violating the whistleblower's civil rights through unconstitutional surveillance or unwarranted raids on homes or properties, 
confiscating personal property for no reason whatsoever, or victimizing their families through intimidation and vicious smear campaigns, the FBI continues to destroy its reputation in the eyes of the American people. The FBI leaks whistleblower identities to the press with misinformation in an attempt to destroy their reputations and silence them. That's the key, silence them. Invariably, years later, as you'll hear today, after incurring financial losses, attacks on their character, and suffering serious injury to their careers, they're never charged with a crime. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got an FBI whistleblower uh, here with us today, and he's also a veteran uh, and a uh, candidate for the United States Congress out of West Virginia, uh, Mr. Nate Kane, uh, who is also a business owner. Nate, welcome to the Rob Manus Show Live. Thank you for being here with us, sir. Hey, thank you for having me on. This is a very important issue that you guys are going over. Well, thank you. I mean, we cannot... Uh, we cannot highlight this issue enough. Uh, that's why I've dedicated one whole show every week to whistleblower issues. And, uh, uh, and uh, some people may hear your story and walk away shaking their heads and all that. But, but no, this, this story, your story, was a precursor to what that press conference you just saw, which was only weeks old, uh, uh, is telling people. And it's been going on a long, long time, hasn't it, Nate? That's right. Uh, in fact, um, I, uh, I blew the whistle back in uh, 2017. And then also again in 2018, I had two separate disclosures. One was directly to uh, a senior staffer to Devin Nunez in the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. And then, uh, and then they asked me to go back in and get more information, and uh, which I reluctantly did. Um, but I found what they were looking for, and I came out, and I lost contact and had no way of getting in touch with them. So I ended up having to go through the formalized process of the ICWPA, which is the Intelligence Community Whistleblower Protection Act. And I brought eventually uh, to both the House and the Senate Intel Committees uh, information that, that proved. It proved that the FBI was covering up crimes uh, committed by Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation uh, you know, on the basis of uh, political you know, favoritism. Well, I mentioned that you are a U.S. Army veteran, uh, but your, your your service to our country goes much deeper than that. And I think this speaks to your credibility. If you'll uh, just tell the audience what your back, your full background is uh, and why sure. you were in a position to be able to blow the whistle on the FBI and the Department of Justice and the intelligence community, really, uh, for their corruption and their egregious acts against the American people, really. So I, I started off, um, shoot, back in— 1997, I joined the United States Army as a soldier, and uh, and I got into a brand new field that was you know emerging. Uh, in that at that time, they called it information assurance, and eventually it became uh, cybersecurity. And so I've been in cybersecurity for about 26 years, and uh, am a, a uh, an expert in that field. Um, I was hired by the FBI as a subject matter expert in cybersecurity uh, in order to deploy their vulnerability management system. Uh, you know, nationwide, actually really worldwide with all of their field offices and their uh, satellite offices. And what happened is uh, during my time, um, you know, there I ended up coming across, uh, you know, the information 
And, uh, and, and it was started off with just a rumor that I heard and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And somebody had said that they saw these transcripts where, uh, you know, these guys were uh, essentially ignoring criminal activity. And these were open cases, by the way. This wasn't just a rumor. They actually had the suspicious activity reports that had gone through, uh, you know, Treasury had gone through, uh, FinCENT had been reviewed by analysts. Uh, they had a high credibility rating of criminal activity uh, in four areas, uh, primarily money laundering, securities and exchange fraud, public corruption, and terrorism financing. And uh, and they had, uh, this was opened up in three separate uh, field offices uh, that they were running cases. These had case numbers. Uh, it was out of the Little Rock, Arkansas uh, field office. It was out of the New York field office and out of the Washington field office. And in um, uh, and, and in fact, you know, when you go into the Durham report and you look on page 78, uh, it's talking specifically about that information that I turned over. And he, of course, you know, um, he brings up this point of this this unequal bias, this unequal system of justice. And uh, but my background in, in cyber um, afforded me, you know, the ability to really work with some great, um, you know, great uh, units. I, I worked with the uh, the Navy for about nine years, uh, working in, uh, in, went to Japan, uh, worked out of San Diego, um, you know, and then uh, I ended up uh, going to, um, coming to Maryland, and that's when I went to work for Marforce Cyber. So I was a, in, in both those jobs, I was a, a DOD civilian. Um, you know, I was a, a civil servant, and I took that oath. You know, I took that oath three times. Uh, that oath that says that you know that I will uphold and support Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And what I see going on right now, you know, is enemies of the Constitution that are in power. Um, when I was working for Marfor Cyber, uh, the unit I was with was called the Cyber Protection Team, and we were actually um, charged with protecting national critical infrastructure against you know enemies, foreign enemies. Right. And so I was read on to 702 FISA uh, intelligence authorities. I mean, you name it. If there was a surveillance tool, I was read on to it. And, uh, and I'm very aware of what they're able to do and uh, with that. But I was assured that this was a system that was not meant for Americans. In fact, they had very strict um, rules that said that if we, you know, if we used this illegally or we abused it, we were looking at 10 years federal prison sentences. And, uh, yeah. you know, and it just came out. Um, on the 19th, a U.S. court found that the FBI improperly searched this system uh, in, the, in the U.S. database of uh, foreign intelligence 278,000 times over several years against Americans. And, and that right there should concern all of us because this system is not meant or designed for Americans. It is not, uh, it violates the Constitution. I actually believe that no one should be trusted with this kind of power. I don't trust it. I don't trust the FBI. And quite frankly, I think um, it, it comes up, 702 comes up for renewal in December. And every American needs to contact their congressman and tell them they need to allow this thing to expire. This came about as a result of the Patriot Act. And it has been yeah. used and abused like nothing else. Yeah, you're exactly right. I agree with you. Uh, we just had a show last week uh, uh, talking about that specific uh, committee hearings in the Senate about uh, FISA 702 uh, expiring this year. And, and folks, you, listen to what Mr. Kane said just now. Again, uh, we'll put it out again. Uh, call your congressmen and your senators and tell them to vote no if a vote comes up on this 
FISA 702, if things are done right, they should do nothing because it will just expire at the end of the year. Right. Uh, so we don't want a bill put in to reauthorize it. There's well, three issues I there. Right. And what I suspect they will do is, um, you know, they will probably try to throw this into, you know, some other bill and try to package it in there. And this is what they tend to do to get things passed that the American public doesn't want. So we got to keep a watchful eye. You know, the whistleblowers play an extremely important role within the intelligence community. Unlike other, you know, types of uh, federal agencies or where classification, you know, isn't a thing. Um, you know, if you have uh, somebody that's doing something wrong in another, you know, another place, they can easily just walk out with this information, go to the press with right. it. But when it comes to classified information, you can't take that information to the press. Case in point, uh, Edward Snowden, you know, he went to the press with it and now he's, you know, basically living in exile in Russia. Yeah. And so, and he, and he, and he, in all fairness, he exposed some very important things that needed to be exposed. But the difference in what I did uh, versus what he did was I went to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, the IG's office. Unfortunately, this information didn't go anywhere because Adam Schiff took over the House uh, as the uh, the Hipsy um, chairman, and he squashed that investigation that I had brought forward, which was you know accusing uh, the FBI and senior leadership in the FBI and DOJ of of uh, obstruction of justice. Well, I'm glad you used the system. Uh, that's one of my beefs with Snowden's uh, situation is that we didn't have a very good system at the time. But even th even today, though, the system is to the point where you could be leaked about and your reputation smeared well, and those they, kind of they things. They did so, that. Yeah, yeah they we'll, did that uh, we'll talk more about that and the chilling effect of this retaliation uh, right after this break. I'm Rob Manus on the Red Voice uh, Media Network Live talking with uh, FBI whistleblower Army veteran and uh, government service, civil service veteran, Nate Kane, and we'll be right back. Looking for a great gift for lovers of freedom? We have you covered with this 2024 edition Trump for President coin. Show your support with this limited edition coin, normally $29.99. But for a limited time, you can get yours for just $19.99 plus free shipping. This is a great collector's coin for fans of President Trump and those that want to show their support for our great president. Each coin is made in the USA, is an authentic U.S. JFK half dollar, and showcased in an acrylic coin capsule. Collectibles like this only increase in value, often to hundreds of dollars per coin. So get yours now for $19.99 plus free shipping at trumpcoinsavings.com. Again, that's trumpcoinsavings.com to secure this limited offer. curious to know you had friends in the FBI you were well respected I mean Mr. Allen you're the employee of the year for heaven's sakes have any of your friends reached out and tried to support you in this and my point in asking that is I wonder if they're too scared I wonder if they're scared to be associated with you now I wonder if the FBI tactics of isolating you have worked Mr. O'Boyle have you had friends reach out and support 
Very, very few. And why is that, do you think? I think their First Amendment rights have been chilled as well. I know for a fact that my former supervisor had a meeting with my squad shortly after I was suspended, and he told them that I was going to be arrested, fired, and charged. So if that's not chilling, I don't know what is. Mr. Friend? Echo what Mr. O'Boyle said. I've had very few reach out to me, and those who have have used encrypted ways to do it because they fear retribution. They're afraid to reach out to you. Respected colleagues, people they've worked with for years, and they're afraid to reach out to you. It's very clear the FBI has been able to achieve that goal. Mr. Allen, your experience, former employee of the year? I've had a few colleagues um, reach out who are um, no longer with, uh, with the office just to check in uh, periodically, which has been appreciated. But other than that, I've been pretty much like ghosted by everybody. So, well, Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show Live. Uh, it's Whistleblower Wednesday. We're talking with uh, FBI whistleblower Nate Kane, U.S. Army veteran, a, a, a candidate for Congress in West Virginia. Uh, and uh, amongst many of the other hats that he's worn, uh, also a business owner uh, and founder, uh, quite frankly, uh, and an expert, it, it seems to me, in uh, cybersecurity, both in government and the civilian sector. Uh, Nate, uh, uh, watching the video there, it gives me chills down my spine to hear these stories. Uh, uh, and, and like I said, that's just weeks ago. Uh, but... Mm -hmm. uh, your story, when I read your story, you talk about unconstitutional surveillance, media smears, uh, intimidation of your family. Uh, uh, did you hear from any colleagues uh, 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 in showing uh, voices of support when you were going through this? No, um, you know, I had one colleague that reached out to me, and I'm not going to mention uh, their name because obviously yeah. it would put them in jeopardy. Um, but I had one colleague that reached out to me through social media, and uh, and and they were appalled at what they saw happen. And uh, you know that what they're talking about the you know the chilling effect that happens within the bureau. While I was working there, um, you know I, I worked in a skiff. You know everybody in there had top secret clearances. Uh, we all had been you know I I've had one for 26 years. You know I've served my country, and uh, you know I've never had a problem at all. In fact, even after blowing the whistle. I was never charged. I never even had my clearance suspended, not even once. And yet, um, you know, somebody at the FBI leaked my name and leaked the raid on my home. So that was the first thing. They raided my home four months after I submitted the, um, you know, everything in through the IG and to the both the intel committees. Um, and then somebody leaked my name. Interestingly enough, uh, it, and so that, that ended up forcing it out into the open. And mm -hmm. so you know, it kind of forced me to have to talk about it publicly because I had to defend myself. Right. And uh, and of course, the New York Times was a uh, you know wrote a hit piece on me saying that you know I was allegedly you know had stolen government property, which was a lie. And because they use that word allegedly, it you know it, it prevents me from being able to go after them for libel. Um, but what ended up happening was, uh, and this was an interesting case, in where uh, the Daily Caller broke the story. And uh, they reached out to my attorney and said, hey, we got eyes inside the New York Times. And they told, you know, somebody in there had said that they were going to write a hit piece on me. And so would you like to get your side out of the, you know, out of uh, your side of the story out there before they're able to do it? And so my lawyer reluctantly agreed to do that. And so he gave the interview. Um, but what happened was, um, of course, they went and uh, they went to the U.S. attorney 
uh, you know, that was running the case against me, the investigation against me, and, and said, you know, we would like to know what this is about. Why is a whistleblower being, you know, raided? And of course, their answer was that standard, well, we can't talk about ongoing investigations, blah, blah, blah. So they came back, they got with their lawyers, and they, they came up with one single question that uh, their lawyers surmised there was no way that they could deflect against. And they, they sent a, a FOIA request to the U.S. magistrate that signed off on the search warrant uh, against my home and against me. And they said, uh, they asked one question, and that is, was the judge notified that I was a protected whistleblower under the ICWPA? And another Obama-appointed judge put a seal on that answer so that judge could not answer that question. And that right there should tell everybody everything they need to know. And the problem is when we, uh, when we have this kind of injustice and abuse of power that's going on, especially with these surveillance tools, you almost have to wonder how many people in Congress, how many judges are being blackmailed with dirt that they've been able to dig up on them with these very powerful surveillance tools, which are spy tools. Let's, let's just, you know, let's call it what they are. They are spying tools. They're tools right. that were designed, again, you know, to be used against our enemies. When they're using those against American citizens, how many of them are they finding dirt on? And it's not just them, because 702 allows them to not only spy on them, but also two steps beyond them. So, you know, it could be their loved ones. It could be, you know, a neighbor. And they're able to do this. And if they find, if they can't find dirt on the person that's their target, they might find dirt on somebody that's close to that person, and then they can blackmail them. And that is a very dangerous place for our country to be. It is a very dangerous place for our country to be in, Nate. Uh, so did you get a cop? Was there a warrant for this uh, this search that wasn't really necessary? Or Yeah, so they, they, uh, they did have a warrant, and, uh, you know, so I cooperated. But here's the thing that was crazy. You know, I'd never seen a search warrant before. I've never had one used against me. I was right. not an agent. Um, you know, I was a contractor working at the FBI. And uh, so when I got the warrant, I thought everything was kosher. Come to find out, they they withheld what was called the Schedule B. And the Schedule B, for those of you that are listening that don't understand how warrants work, you have a Schedule A, which basically lays out the charge and why they're there. And But the Schedule B specifies what they're allowed to take, what they're allowed to look at. And they purposely withheld that from me. And they took many things that were not on that list, including my wife's personal journals, okay? Well, journals I've never even read because that's her personal private property. They took those. Um, they did a whole lot of things that were illegal, that were wrong. And in fact, my lawyer uh, ended up having to you know, call uh, the, the bureau and threaten them that they needed to hand over the Schedule B. And so finally, we did get a copy of it, and that's when I found out that there were things that were taken not on it. And so you know, this was an abuse of power, without a doubt. This is the exact description of the abuse of power on the Mar-a-Lago raid. Uh, where the Schedule B yeah. wasn't uh, disclosed. The attorneys for Mr. Trump were not allowed to, uh, to uh, accompany the searchers, and they took yep. thousands of things that were not on that Schedule B that they shouldn't have been taking. Uh, yeah, and, they and did looking take, at, by the way. And looking at things they should never have yep. had access to, uh, like Melania's underwear drawer in her closet, for God's sake. Yeah, oh, they, they uh, did the same thing to us. They were in my wife's, you know, um, underwear drawers as well. In fact, um, like I said, they had, you know, these uh, my wife's personal journals. You know, this is going back for, you know, 20, you know, 20, 28 years of our marriage. 
You know, I mean, I'm sure in 28 years, you know, you got some very personal, intimate details. Like I said, I've never even read these things. These are her personal, private conversations with God, her prayer journals and things like that. That is extremely intrusive. And, uh, you know, and the thing that really bothered me was they, they detained me, um, you know, in, in the living room while they did all this stuff in the other rooms. I don't know if they placed bugs in the, in the house. I don't know if they, you know, were looking at things they shouldn't have looked at. And I even told them at the door uh, that I had an attorney. That should have stopped them right there in their tracks. But no, you know, but I'm not going to sit there and argue with somebody when you've got yeah. 16 agents all, you know, armed to the teeth, you know, and I and all my guns are in my safe. And they, the very first thing that he made me do is he asked me if I had any guns. And I said, yes. And so, you know, he asked me to take them, take him to them. So I went to my safe. I unlocked my safe. And then he asked me to hand him my own guns. He could have shot me dead and said, well, he had a gun. You know, and yeah. so, you know, it, there was all kinds of, of breaches of protocol that, that occurred, but I handed him my guns, they zip tied them, they wrote down the serial numbers of all my guns, which again, that's another breach of the Constitution. Um, you know, that, and, and it just, it was one of those things where, you know, it put me in a position of intimidation to where I was kind of forced to cooperate with them. So did they take your guns? No, they did not. I was given my guns back. But, you know, after that, they got all the serial numbers. Uh, they yeah. know everything that I have. Uh, so at that point, I decided I'm selling them all. So I got rid of them all and I got new guns now. But, you know, I don't believe that the government yeah. should have. In fact, the, the Supreme Court has ruled on this. That's why when you have a, uh, a an application to buy a gun with the federal government, you know, they're not allowed to maintain. They're not supposed to maintain those forms. It's supposed right. to be a, a background check because they don't want the government having a database of who owns guns and what they own. And yet that's exactly what they did. They took down all those serial numbers so that, for what? None of that, by the way, was in the search warrant. They didn't have a right to take any of those serial numbers. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, at the most, he should have said, show me where you have your gun stored and seen the safe and go, okay. That's right. That's all yep. I needed to know. I just want to make sure my folks are safe and, and exactly. And I can understand that, and I would not have yeah, a problem. I get it. And by the and by the way, I want to make it clear: not everybody who came into my home that day, I don't consider all these guys bad guys. I consider most of them just doing their job. They're following orders, you know. But let's not forget who else also just did their job and follows orders: the Nazis. And so yeah. I, I I implore you know, our, our federal agents and, and members of the federal government that, you know, are in positions of authority, you've all sworn the oath to the Constitution. And when you see something that is against the Constitution, that is the law that comes above all other laws. And you have a responsibility and a duty to report it. Yeah, but the control that they're under is the exact same control right. that this retaliation chilling effect has that Congressman Stewart, who's a friend of mine, I, I flew with him at B1s uh, in the Air Force, uh, uh, that Congressman Stewart so aptly pointed out, is that that is the control they have over their field agents and all those that are executing operations, right. even if they're illegal operations. Uh, and you know what? It's illegal for the federal government to do the things that they're doing when they come in on these That's warrants right. and those kind of things. And no one, uh, the other issue is no one's being held accountable, Nate. No one, no. meaning no. the people executing the violations right. of the law and giving the orders. Yeah, and, and there is something I think that can be done. Um, the, unfortunately, with the current uh, Congress that we have right now, with the Senate you know, being under control of the Democrats, I don't see it likely happening. 
But, you know, I'm praying and I'm hoping that in the next election, we can have some brave people get elected on both sides, you know, in the in the Senate and in the House, because what could be done under the Constitution of what is what is called an Article One tribunal. The biggest problem I see with all of this abuse of power is that the FBI is never going to investigate themselves, not really. And the yep. DOJ is never going to indict themselves or one of their agencies. They're, they're not going to do it. And so what we need exactly. is we need a special court, a special court that can uh, adjudicate these agency issues. That is exactly what the was intended in Article One, Section 8 of the Constitution under the powers of the Congress. They have the power to create a, a special court that is subordinate to the Supreme Court. And so we're not talking about, you know, anything that's outside the judiciary. But the difference is, unlike an Article Three court, which they have permanent positions, uh, you know, these are permanent appointees, and they're, of course, you know, they're, they're yeah. brought in from, you know, from the judicial system, which I think in many ways has already been corrupted. Um, mm -hmm. They can, the, the Congress can vote and bring in just citizens that, you know, whoever they want it could be, you know, it could be retired officers like yourself. It could be, yeah. um, you know, retired judges. It could be people uh, who, who have a, a strong understanding of the Constitution. Uh, you know, that's probably, they, they need to be moral people and people have a strong understanding of the Constitution. Those should be the only requirements. But these need to be citizens that are going to adjudicate these issues. And the law that's being broken here, the, the law well, that let's, actually let's talk about that after this sure. break. We've got to pay some more bills. But uh, the Congress no has great power over every court system below the Supreme Court. We That's want right. to address that when we come back on the Rob Manus uh, Show Live. Uh, it's Whistleblower Wednesday here on Red Voice Media Network, where you get the facts and the truth. We're talking with Nate Kane. We'll be right back. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The My Pillow guy. And you're looking good. Still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, My Pillow 2.0. When I invented My Pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My Pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My Pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of My Pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a My Pillow or not, you need to get the brand new My Pillow 2.0. Call or go to mypillow.com now. Use your promo code and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. true about a sitting president when he was vice president influence peddling accepting money from uh, foreign nationals so that he could turn around and, and, and make changes in policy uh, for America so he could pocket the money if that's true why isn't he impeached already and if it's true that the FBI is doing nothing about it why isn't Christopher Ray on his heels as well uh, those are great questions I ask every day. Look, Christopher Wray uh, has no control over the FBI. One thing that I've learned from dealing with Grassley's whistleblowers is that this is an, a, an 
organization in disarray. No one has confidence in leadership at the top. You have bureaucrats, deep state bureaucrats who are running the show. They're partisan. They want to get Donald Trump. Uh, they don't care what Joe Biden does because Joe Biden can be controlled. So we have issues with the FBI, but my investigation is about following the money. We're going to continue to follow the money. And Maria, I can assure you there's more money that we're going to be able to identify that, that was transferred between foreign nationals in other countries and the Biden family. This is going to be hard for Joe Biden to explain, and it's not going to go away. This is going to be an issue. And I think eventually the mainstream media will, will turn on Joe Biden and start asking the real questions. What did your family do to receive all this money? What number are you up to now? How much have you identified of the money he's taken in from foreign we have more bank We have more bank records coming in, but I, but we're going to exceed $10 million this okay. week, right. and I think we'll get up between 20 and $30 million. The FBI is in complete disarray and not under the control of its appointed leadership, uh, uh, namely the director, uh, Christopher Wray, is what... Uh, uh, Jamie Comer, he's the chairman of the Oversight Committee for the Republicans uh, that are in control of the House of Representatives now. And uh, we're talking with Nate Kane, an FBI whistleblower and a candidate for the U.S. Congress uh, out of West Virginia. Uh, Nate, uh, before the break, you were talking about Congress and what it can do in its control. You know, the way I read the Constitution, Congress created all of the judiciary below the Supreme right. Court the DOJ and the FBI, and they can uncreate it and reinstitute something that will actually serve the American people and, do, and follow the law, can't they? Absolutely. You know, the Congress has, they have one of the most important powers of all, and that's called the power of the purse. You know, when, they, when, Congress, when the Congress wants oversight on where the people's money is being spent, and they are not getting answers from the FBI or any other agency for that matter, it's real simple. The Congress needs to say, you know what, since you're not going to cooperate with us, we have a duty to the American people, so we are not going to fund you until you do. And if you have a leadership that continues to, you know, to uh, ignore subpoenas and things like that, then I do believe that they need to hold them in contempt and they need to impeach them. And that is something that Congress can do. But this issue of the Article I tribunal, I think, is really, it's the route forward uh, these, these, uh, the crime that's being committed here is deprivation of rights under color of law. It is a law that has teeth. Um, it has, uh, it holds penalties all the way up to, uh, to and including um, the, the life in prison and the death penalty in the case of somebody being deprived of their rights uh, through the, you know, powers of the state and, uh, you know, illegally, uh, it, they can be held accountable, and and that's what needs to happen. But um, the other thing that's needed with that is the citizen's grand jury. And that is something where, you know, right now when the FBI, when they, they find something criminal going on, who do they send a referral to? They send it to the FBI. Well, we know they're not going to do it. So they need to send it to a citizen's grand jury to bring those charges in a court, you know, uh, in a court of law. And I think that's something that could be done. And who impanels a citizen's grand jury? The people do, so so that so it is. Uh, you could do it at a, a county level. Uh, there's a there's a great uh, organization that I I have been um, listening to, reading a lot of what they're talking about. Uh, but uh, Antoine Scalia had talked about this, and uh, there was uh, this this thing called the grand jury, which was supposed to be a citizen's tool. It has been captured 
by the judiciary now, uh, but it is not limited to the judiciary. The citizens can impanel a grand jury and they can bring a case. And uh, the, ideally, you want it to be, you know, held at the county level or something to that, you know, to that extent. But I think that the states, you know, could also, uh, you know, put together something to where they they form one of these uh, grand juries because they have an interest in these things being resolved as well. And that is because the federal government has way too much power, and that power needs to come back to the states. Anything not enumerated to the federal government under the Constitution. Yeah, but don't you think the uh, greatest power that Congress has is the power of the purse? I mean, that's how they created oh, without a doubt, in, in, without a doubt, in the first place, right? You know, money talks, and and if they, you know, they they keep passing these bills, they keep passing bills to finance and fund, you know, all of these, uh, you know, illegal activities that are going on by the government. They absolutely need to defund any of these agencies that are not cleaning up their act. And the FBI, you know, there was a point where I was, you know. I still believed in the FBI, even after I was raided, where I believed that they needed to, you know, uh, be reformed and all of that. I think they're beyond reform at this point. I think clearly the system is so corrupt and it can't be trusted. Honestly, I think that the greatest danger right now to the Constitution and to America is, you know, these rogue agencies that have these kinds of powers uh, to where they can just continually spy on people and blackmail them. And I, I think that's got to stop. Yeah, it's my opinion that the entire federal government is rogue at this point. Uh, uh, but the Republicans in control of the House of Representatives have a lot of power, don't they? I mean, uh, you're running for Congress, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, the right. Holman rule, uh, you know, gives the Congress the power to, to defund an employee all the way to the employee level. That's uh, right. You know, and uh, and one of the issues that I hear about a lot from I still hear this from people like Sean Hannity. Well, there are a lot of great people at the FBI or a lot of great people at the CIA, but the damage that's being done to this country, Nate, is probably close to being unrecoverable at this point. It's really close. Uh, well, that's what I feel. I, yeah. I just feel it in my bones, my spidey sense. Uh, it, 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 based on all of my years of experience in the government, uh, uh, holding ho holding judicial power, executive power, uh, as you know, military commanders that have judicial and executive right. power are, are 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 like a Caesar, little Caesar, when they have uh, you know an installation or an organization or a group of organizations that they have control over, uh, and this government. Uh, is wielding all three branches of power against the citizens' liberty. That's and right. this government's instituted by us to protect our liberty. That's its sole function in various ways, you That's know, right. the FISA court system, the FBI, the Department of Defense, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, uh, so, so I think that the entire government is rogue. Uh, uh, but Congress on the Republican side in the House has a lot of power because if we pass a budget— uh, the way it's supposed to be done with the 12 appropriations bills uh, in the appropriate stovepipes instead of these crazy cromnibus bills uh, that, that fund everything, uh, then when the bill comes back from the Senate, you're going to have to go to conference, and the Republicans in the House of Representatives must wield that power. They, and they can, that's can't right. they? They have to have some backbone. they got to be willing to take the heat. You know, the problem is, is that a lot of these people who go into uh, Congress, they're going in there as career politicians. They want to get elected to the next, you know, the next biggest thing. 
And, and I think that is part of the problem. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't care if I, if, you know, if I go in there and I don't get elected, I'm not doing this because I want to, I'm not doing it because I want power. That is not why I want to go in there. I have to give up and sacrifice a lot to do this. But the fact is, is that because of that, I'm not going in there beholden to any of them or any of these special interests. If I get elected, it will be because the people of West Virginia elected me. And ultimately, I will be serving at their pleasure and serving to ensure that the Constitution is followed. There are things that they can do, but they have to have the backbone to do it. They got to be willing to do it. And we got to get rid of you know, the, the people that are part of this uniparty thing. You know, there was a time in our country where I would say the differences between Republican Party platform and the and the Democrat Party platform were, you know, were there were fringe issues that really were the differences, but, you know, but they all believed in the Constitution. That's no longer the case. The Democrat Party platform is essentially a communist platform. It is uh, absolutely satanic. I don't agree with it in any way, shape, or form. And I think that, you know, just as, uh, you know, it's, it says in the good book, there's a time for peace and a time for war, a time for unity and a time for disunity. And this is definitely not a time for unity where you have these, uh, you know, these policies that are being pushed that fly in the face of the Constitution, fly in the face of, of public safety, fly in the face of, you know, of uh, sound and trustworthy uh, and transparent government. That is the single biggest problem is the lack of transparency and the lack of, of uh, you know, government officials, quite frankly, that have any fear of God, let alone fear of the people. Yeah, well, I think they're very afraid of the people. That's why you see fencing going up uh, around all of these facilities <laughs> right. that, that, that belong to us. I pay my taxes. Yeah. You know, I've always paid my taxes. I, I've done my best to follow the law, even hired people to do it for me when it got too complicated to make sure that I'm following the law. And I demand that what I pay for, ha I have access to it. I demand it. That's right. You know, now, now there, there are limits, you know, like classified mm -hmm. material that uh, protect our men and women that are going to a battlefield or will be on a battlefield or are on a battlefield. I get that. Uh, of course I get that. I, I, I've worked within that system just like you have. Uh, but, but there are very few areas that should be limited to citizens that pay their taxes like the capital of the United right. States should never be closed to a citizen. I don't care what kind of high interest national security event you're having like the Electoral College. But you know what? The two-tier justice system comes out of communist states where That's they have right. a justice system that deals with their Communist Party people that they want to uh, uh, protect. And then they have a justice system that deals with everybody else, including their party people that they want to protect. Hey, hey, you Marxist communists in America out there that think you're protected, eventually that system's going to turn on you. And you're going to be they on the side that own. we're all on. You're going to be on the side that we're all on. Uh, you know, and, right. uh, uh, but, but we have the tools. We don't have to go to violence to do this. I implore you, no. if you get elected to Congress, to use the tools in the Constitution that you talked about here today uh, to stop this so that this country can have a government that does its job, which is to protect my liberty and my grandkids' liberty and my kids' liberty and those kind of things. Uh, and right. one of the things that, that you're running on is that you said you will uh, protect whistleblowers against retaliation once you're in Congress. And we're coming yeah. up on a break here. but. Uh, after the break, I want to I go into that in depth before we close out the show and give you an opportunity to uh, tell our viewers how you're going to do that uh, and uh, what else you're going to do in Congress when you win, Nate. 
And uh, I'm Rob Manus, live on the Red Voice Media Network. We're talking with whistleblower Nate Kane and congressional candidate out of West Virginia. We need him. We need Americans like this in Congress. We'll be right back. It's a crazy world out there, and we're facing more uncertainty than our country has faced in a long time, if ever. And the most important advice that we can give you and your loved ones is be prepared. Most people don't realize they need something until it's too late. Whether it's a natural disaster, a sustained power outage, political upheaval, or God forbid, war. You need to be prepared. Don't put yourself in that situation. Have food and water on hand to provide for you and your loved ones during the worst of times. And then pray you never need it. Thankfully, we have just the solution for you. Heaven's Harvest has everything you need to prepare for the unexpected. You get prepared and you support a pro-America Christian company that shares your values at the same time. Everyone wins. And the best news is you also get discounts on emergency survival foods, heirloom vegetables, seed kits, water filtration and storage kits, and loads of other survival resources, such as guides on how to grow and preserve your foods. So get ahead, be prepared, and survive with a company that shares your values. And we have you covered with great discounts. Go to HeavensHarvest.com and use promo code RVM to save 10%. Again, that's HeavensHarvest.com and use promo code RVM to save 10% on your order. the whistleblowers sure. how are you going to protect them from retaliation well we think it's already happened unfortunately with some based on what they've told us uh based on the as i said the transcribed interviews we had with these individuals so that's not supposed to happen i think it's interesting when i first talked about this i did an interview and first talked about the whistleblowers the the dozens who've come forward and talked to us I first talked the very next day Merrick Garland, the attorney general, issues a memo, sends out a memo saying, here's the rules for talking to Congress. And then, of course, he puts sort of the little disclaimer language down at the bottom and says, now, now, this is not to jeopardize whistleblower. We want to respect that. But I thought the timing was interesting. The very next day, he sends out this memo to, uh, to folks in the Justice Department, I think, trying to, again, chill the speech of, of, of FBI agents who want to come forward and tell us some of the crazy things that are going on. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show live here on the Red Voice Media Network. Uh, it's your newest network. We bring you the facts and the truth. You make up your own mind uh, about what is really going on in the world instead of trying to swallow some propaganda narrative out of, out of the government media that ranges from the New York Times uh, to Fox News Channel. Uh, today, we're talking with FBI whistleblower and congressional candidate out of West Virginia, Nate Kane. Uh, Nate, uh, Jordan there, uh, you know, I'm still on the fence with him. Uh, I like the guy. He's a tough guy. Uh, but he never answered the question about, and right. the question was, what are you going to do to protect whistleblowers from retaliation? And the FBI is the worst of the worst, uh, in my opinion, from what I've seen so far over the last 10 years of, of closely observing this stuff. Uh, so uh, that's part of your platform that you're running on. Uh, what are your plans to make that a reality and, and offer better protection for whistleblowers, especially out of the FBI? Because obviously what we have on the books is not working. 
No, it's not. So there are some things that can be done. There are also things that, let's just face it, are not going to be able to be done. There is always a risk to whistleblowers. Even if you had a completely anonymized system, the fact is, is that the FBI and any other organization, for that matter, has the ability to go back, look through their logs, find out who accessed files, and surmise whether or not, you know, uh, you know, somebody, you know, took documents out. Now, the problem is, as I used anonymity, and, and I went and did my whistleblowing in that way, my code name was MC Pota. Uh, the, the DOJ IG never knew my name. Uh, and eventually, you know, that information went to uh, both the House and Senate Intel committees. They also did not have my name. In fact, they wanted my name. And they wanted me to testify, and I said, uh, let's see, um, I'm blowing the whistle on Hillary Clinton and her crew. I'm blowing the yeah. whistle on all the leadership of the FBI and on Russian intelligence agents, and knowing how leaks come out of the, uh, you know, the, the, out of the, you know, Congress all the time, I was just, you know, my attitude was not no, but hell no. And so I knew, though, that eventually all somebody would have to do is leak back to the FBI which documents were, were axed, or, you know, which documents were turned in. And then they would be able to go and, and access it. I didn't remove anything. I didn't delete any. You know, uh, you know, I know how to cover my tracks, but I did not do that because that would have been obstruction of justice, and I didn't right. want them having anything that they could charge me with. And so, eventually, uh, you know, they figured it out. But it took them several months to do that. And by then, I had already gotten the information to the right place. So I think the protection really has to come down to um, we have to make sure that they have a means of getting that information. To you know, to the Congress, uh, I have great concerns over the safety, you know, of uh, of whistleblowers that are blowing the whistle on very high-profile cases. Uh, it's minor, you know. The, I was poisoned twice. Uh, I don't know by who. Maybe it was Russians. Maybe it was somebody else. But the fact is, is I turned over information that had to deal with Russian intelligence agents, and and I ended up getting poisoned. Now there are things that can be done like assigning, you know, security and things like that to whistleblowers, especially while they are, you know, uh, in that case of, you know, testifying or, or going through adjudication. But the other thing, too, is the financial. This is the biggest problem. You know, if you're going to blow the whistle, you've got to know that your job, your career is probably done. And, and I, think, I think that there are people who are patriots who are willing to do that, provided they're not going to have lawfare used against them to completely destroy them economically and destroy their ability to make a living and provide for their families. So one of the things that needs to happen is that if the FBI is going to put a whistleblower on a, you know, a suspension or whatever without pay, you know, uh, pending, you know, a review, which they can hold out there, you know, over these guys forever, there has to be a limited amount of time by which the FBI or, or you know, somebody else has, a, has the ability to make that determination and then they should be allowed, if they're going to drag it out any longer than that, to be able to go get work elsewhere, but still not lose their ability to appeal uh, the FBI. So that's one thing that Congress could do to change things. And then the other thing that they can do is uh, they could also ensure that uh, contractors have uh, the same protections that uh, federal employees. I was a contractor, and so I was not afforded the ability to use the Whistleblower Protection Act, which has... Um, protections against reprisal. The ICWPA does not. And so they absolutely could use reprisal against me, and as they did. And so these, these are things I think that need to change. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, a whistleblower 
uh, that comes to, you know, uh, they need to be able to be free to go to Congress, uh, you know, and, but the problem is if they are using surveillance tools to spy on these offices, then there is no protection. And we know from an, uh, a document that was released by um, uh, by Chuck Grassley that uh, this, he released a memo that had been declassified. It took him four years to get it declassified, but it showed that the CIA had been spying on the on the uh, uh, the intel committees in order to identify whistleblowers. So that kind of stuff has to be stopped. And when somebody's found doing that, they need to go to jail for a long time. Well, I think uh, one of my questions, though, is, yeah, it has to be stopped, but how can Congress do that? And I keep going back to the the, the purse. You know, That's Congress right. has to they put, can some, tri they can put some triggers in the law that, that where right. you don't have to pass something, but put triggers in the law that says, hey, if you suspend a whistleblower without pay, uh, and you and you don't uh, uh, allow them a to go get outside work immediately, then you're defunded. Your office is defunded right. until you get the job done. You know, you, you yep. put that kind of stuff in the law, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, you could. And in fact, I also think the other big problem is is that when you have, you know, and this is a unique problem to the Department of Justice because. They are the ones who are supposed to enforce the law. They are the ones who are supposed to indict and investigate. And if they're unwilling to do that, if they're unwilling to do their job, well, then, you know, there should be triggers that are put in there. And I, I think one of the things that needs to happen is the OIG, they do report, they are required to report to Congress uh, for, you know, semi-annual reports. But when they make um, referrals for, you know, for criminal prosecution, those referrals go to the FBI and to the DOJ, or actually I should say they go to the DOJ. It, that shouldn't happen. Uh, it should go to a separate organization. If it's about the FBI and about the DOJ, you cannot have the fox guarding the hen house. And so it needs to go to a separate organization, I think. Now, the U.S. Marshals, they're not part of the Department of Justice, are they? No, they are, unfortunately. Oh. Um, but, mm. but you have the U.S. Treasury, which has a secret service. So there are other um, government entities, you know, that have law enforcement capabilities. So you could divvy that up and create some set of rules, you know, some sort of internal office, you know, and it needs to be something where there's opposition, right? You know, you, you need that that healthy opposition of where, you know, the FBI knows uh, that, that, you know, the Secret Service, for example, or whatever could go after them, you know, for crimes that they might commit within you know, the uh, within their duties and vice versa, because, you know, if, if somebody inside Secret Service is doing something illegal, it shouldn't be Secret Service people who are spying on them. So, in other words, a, a, a referral from the OIG's office and say, you know, the FBI or, or OIG's office for the DOJ, it should go to another uh, law enforcement agency that's not under the authority of the DOJ. And uh, and that's really, I think, what what probably needs to happen. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, well, Nate, we're down to about 30 seconds here. Uh, go ahead and tell folks where they can find you, what are your coordinates, uh, and uh, how they can help you in your campaign. Sure. So people can find my campaign website uh, is at natecaneforwv.com. That's N-A-T-E-C-A-I-N, the number four, wv.com. That uh, Nate Kane for WV is also my handle on all social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Google, Instagram, Getter, uh, Gab, um, minds, you know, you name it. If there's a, if there's a, an account out there, you know, if there's a social media platform, I'm probably on it. And uh, so people can follow me. I post 
uh, regularly on there about these types of issues and the things that you know are important to me and that I'm running on in my campaign. Uh, all of the media stuff that I do is also on there, and there's a donate button on the main page of my campaign where people can donate to my campaign. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Nate. My best to you and your family. Thank you for your moral courage. It's severely lacking in all of our institutions in the United States right now, uh, because it's only our moral courage as citizens that's going to rise up, help us rise up right. and fix this. Uh, that was Nate Kane, FBI whistleblower, candidate for Congress in West Virginia. Uh, and, uh, you know, folks, uh, we've really got to get this job done. Uh, tomorrow is Truth Thursday, though. I was going to talk about Hunter Biden's sweetheart deal, but you know what? There's a lot of truth that needs to come out about this Titan submersible from Ocean's Gate Corporation that has gone missing, and they run out of air, oxygen, at about 8 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. It's a big story, a lot of issues. We've got U.S. Navy Commander Randall Arrington joining us to spend the entire hour doing analysis and taking a look at the science and the mechanics about this uh, submersible and uh, maybe why it shouldn't have been being used to take tourists down to the Titanic. So until tomorrow, I'll uh, see you later. It's over to Drew Berquist with uh, This Is My Show. for a great gift for lovers of freedom we have you covered with this 2024 edition trump for president coin show your support with this limited edition coin normally 29.99 but for a limited time you can get yours for just 19.99 plus free shipping this is a great collector's coin for fans of president trump and